Welcome to Holy Trinity Catholic Church from Beaverton, Oregon. Well, good morning, you guys. Congratulations to all you Ducky fans out there. I imagine you slept well. <laughs> good win, good win. This morning, you guys, let's talk about finding God, not above the, the chaos and the mess of our lives, but right in the very heart of it. That's what I want to focus on with you. So, a few minutes ago, we heard Aaron read these words from the letter of James. James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Faith that does not have works is dead. Now, I'm guessing... Those words are at least somewhat familiar for most of us. You've probably heard them before. Maybe you heard them cited in the context of that old theological argument about whether it's works or faith that save us. Kind of a little hint in case you're ever at a tea party with theologians. The answer is grace. It's grace that saves us. So now you know, right? But let's set that aside because I don't think James' primary concern here is theology. I think he's concerned instead with some deeply personal and pointed questions. Questions like, is your faith real? Does your faith change you? Does it give you the courage to put your hand into the hand of God and go where it's uncomfortable? Does it set you up? Does it brace you for the sometimes painful work of facing the truth about yourself so that God can heal and strengthen and ultimately save you? Because if it doesn't do that, then it's not genuine faith. It might be comfortable, it might be reassuring, it might be intellectually stimulating, it might be even liturgically beautiful. But if it doesn't do that, if it shields us from the hard stuff of life or rationalizes our tendency to avoid the cross, then in the end, it's worthless. It's feeble and it's sterile and it's powerless to save. So I think, you guys, that James has his finger on something really important here, and particularly in a culture like ours that prizes things like safe spaces and comfort and risk avoidance, right? We've gotten good, maybe sometimes we've gotten too good at avoiding difficult situations and uncomfortable truths. Let me give you kind of a silly example, but a true one. So a couple of months ago, I saw my doctor for the first time in four years. Now. Part of that I could blame on COVID. Part of it could, I could blame on a busy schedule. Part of it's because I'm a guy and guys hate going to the doctor. Part of it though, if I'm honest, and maybe no small part of it, was this anxiety, really. I know I'm getting a little bit older. I mean, it's, it's not like I'm as old as Father Dave or anything like that, but. But I'm getting a little bit older, and there's probably certain things about my lifestyle that I should change, like my diet. And truthfully, I know that if I go to the doctor, he's probably just going to tell me things I don't want to hear, right? I mean, isn't that why we pay doctors to find something wrong? Sorry, doctors. Anyway, why put myself through all that? So I don't want you to worry. I did go, and things turned out fine. I'm in pretty good health. And there were indeed things that my doctor said I needed to take a look at, uncomfortable things, but I have to admit I've been working on them, and I'm, it's already making a positive difference in my life. 
But my point, my larger point is this. Don't we all have those things in our lives that we want to avoid or deny or downplay? Maybe for you it's not a health issue, but maybe it's a character flaw or a weakness, a personality weakness that you just can't seem to overcome. Or uncertainty about your future. Or fear about the chaos we're living in right now. An old hurt that won't go away. The reality of our mortality. In his letter, James talks about serving the poor. And you know, that always sounds nice, but if you've ever actually worked or lived with somebody truly poor, somebody who's helpless or needy, maybe someone whose life can't be fixed, maybe someone who, despite your best efforts, resists your advice and just can't seem to change, it can be exhausting, frustrating. We quickly run up against our own limits and our own inadequacy. Or as Father Dave mentioned last week, maybe we see reflected in that other person the things that we don't like in ourselves. And so we react with judgment or anger or avoidance. Whatever it is, genuine faith doesn't allow us to run and hide from what's uncomfortable or painful in our lives. It's not a, it's not a get out of jail free card. And in fact, nowhere in the Bible do the sacred authors ever claim that faith in a loving God and the reality of suffering in our lives are incompatible. Our modern world might want to sell us the notion that a good life is marked chiefly by comfort or security, progress, happiness, and of course the corollary, which is that if we're not happy, the problem's always out there, right? Never in here. But as people who worship a crucified God, somebody who went into the very heart of suffering to meet us, we don't have that luxury. And in fact, the shocking claim of our Christian faith is that our woundedness is the very avenue, not the obstacle, but the very avenue that God uses to work his redemption in us. Let me say that one more time. Our woundedness is not the obstacle, but instead the very avenue that God uses to work his redemption in us. You guys, Jesus' death on the cross means that God is now present not just up there in heaven and not just in experiences of beauty and goodness and truth, but also in a particularly powerful way in the very depths of human struggle and chaos and even misery. So we shouldn't be afraid to look for him there. In his spiritual classic, the writer Jean-Pierre de Cassaud, he wrote a book called Abandonment to Divine Providence. And in that book, he wrote these, these words. He said, there is not a moment, not a moment in which God does not present himself under the cover of some pain to be endured, some consolation to be enjoyed, or of some duty to be performed. All that takes place within us, around us, or through us, contains and conceals his divine action." Those are kind of profound words. St. Ignatius had a similar intuition. He believed that God was not just present in every moment, but actually beckoning to us, reaching out to us, inviting us towards greater wholeness and strength and authenticity, which is why he always urged his followers to take time each evening to look back over the course of their days at whatever might have grabbed their attention during the day. So maybe it was a conversation or something they saw or read or heard an insight that came, or something that troubled them, or scared them, or worried them. 
Because he believed those were all invitations to us from God, something to pay attention to, something to surrender or to get help with or to repent of, or maybe even to face with courage. So in other words, invitations, invitations towards healing and wholeness and ultimately holiness. So this week, my friends, I would invite you to just simply pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to anything that might be troubling or worrying or frustrating you, especially if it's something you find yourself trying to avoid or minimize or put a wall between you and it. And as you pay attention to that, sit with this question. What might God be calling me to in this? What might he be asking me to do? And then pray for courage, pray for wisdom, put your hand into the hand of God, and step into it. Thank you for joining us. You can learn more on our parish website at h-t.org. We hope that you will subscribe to our YouTube channel or try and join us for Mass if you're local. Again, all the information will be on h-t.org.